There's a song we learned in Mexico, and I love this. If you're not dead, God's not finished with you yet. This past Sunday at Gospel Chapel, we were privileged to have Bruce Penner, one of our members here, sharing the story of their call to ministry. Bruce and Karen have been part of Gospel Chapel for a number of years and have lived in the Boundary region for over 30 years. And uh, Bruce is taught here, you'll hear that in the story. Uh, But he was called to ministry at age 17. And now, at age 62, they are heading to Mexico where Bruce is going to be pastoring a church there. Hey, thank you for tuning into the Gospel Chapel podcast. We'd invite you to connect with us online at our website, www.gospelchapelgf.com where you can find out more about who we are, our history, our staff, our leadership team, and ways you can connect by email, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram. And we'd also like to pray for you. So on our website, you can find a prayer form uh, where uh, you can just let us know how can we pray for you this week. We won't share any of that information online or in any other way. Your requests will come to our staff team, and we'll be praying for you on Tuesday afternoons. We also have a weekly email that we send out on Thursdays to encourage you and let you know what's happening at Gospel Chapel. And you can subscribe to that on our website as well under home slash subscribe. And hey, about 75% of our viewers and listeners don't subscribe. So hit that subscribe button and any notifications and you'll know when we go live or upload some new content. Again, thanks for tuning in to Gospel Chapel online in this podcast. And may this message bless you this week. Well, Bruce and Karen, you've been here for quite a while, and you can, Bruce, come on up. Bruce is going to share with us a bit of their journey. I don't think this was part of the retirement plan, was it? (laughs) Well, yes. In in a way. In a a way. Don't don't steal my thunder. I won't won't steal your thunder, but... uh, uh, thank you, Bruce, uh, for sharing with us this morning. They're going to be heading to Mexico. In uh, They'll actually be leaving their place in Christina Lake this coming Friday, going down to the States, and then they'll be making their way down to Mexico, where Bruce is going to be the lead pastor of a church down there. So We'll, we'll, uh, we'll hear from him, and then we're going to pray and commission them at the end of the service. Awesome. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, as you've heard, my name is Bruce Penner. If you don't know me, I've been around for a long time. Karen and I have uh, lived in this community for almost 30 years. It's the longest place I've ever lived in my life. Most of my time, my growing up years, I spent uh, uh, maybe a year, six months to a year, many times. Actually, from my grade one to my grade 12 year, I went to 12 different schools. So I was moving around a lot. And part of that is because... Um, uh, I'm a missionary's kid, missionaries and a pastor's kid. So we moved a lot. And uh, so this is, this is where we've really taken root. So we really feel home here. This is, this is our, our place we love. Um, and for all that time, we've lived in Christina Lake. We've got a property, 50 acres up on Fife Road in Christina Lake. Absolutely gorgeous. So uh, it's a little hard for us to be torn from there, but God is... God is in all of it, so we're going to get into that. Um, I've been a teacher for, um, for what, 30, 30 years or so, and one of the things, I was a shop teacher, and some of you, I know, I've got students here, 
So some of you students here, you probably remember story time with Mr. Penner. So this is going to be story time with Mr. Penner here today. So today, I'm not going to preach. I'm going to tell more of a story. I'm going to tell kind of where we are, why we got to where we are today. All right, I'm going to start off with my story a little bit. Basically, that's what it's going to be about. I was born in Germany um, and to missionaries, and I was the fourth of five children. My dad used to say, I've got... I've got five children. They're all boys but four. It was kind of his corny dad joke thing. And we grew up with that. So I'm one boy and I've got four sisters. We moved to Canada at the age of three. And at a kind of a, they used to call them crusades. We don't call them that anymore. But kind of a a meeting. At the age of four, I accepted Jesus into my heart. And uh, I still remember that. I mean, it's, it's a long time ago, but I still remember that. Um, moved around a lot in Canada, and then as a family, we moved back to Germany when I was 10 as missionaries. I didn't speak any German at that point. I went into grade five, not speaking a word of German, going into a German school. Um, so I had to learn all fresh. Some of, I know some, some kids here have been ESL while I was GSL. Um, and uh, so that was, that was interesting. Um, when I was 17, I grew up in the German culture. Sorry, up and from age 10 to 17, we grew up in a German culture. We had very little to do over that time with Americans. If we did have contact with people, it was mostly Americans um, because of that, that was the middle of the Cold War. Uh, so the army bases were pretty heavily involved there. We got involved with Americans there. Um, but our church was German. I went to German school. All my friends were German. So when I came back at 17, at the age of 17, I moved to Edmonton. I was far more German than I was Canadian. As a matter of fact, my language skills were far greater in German than they were in English. Um, when, I, when I went there, I learned to speak German as a native German speaker. So I still can speak German fluently. While having my devotions, I, was, I moved to Edmonton, and um, just outside of Edmonton, Sherwood Park, out in the country, um, my sister uh, and her father-in-law invited me in May to come and work at his business. I was going to be a mud boy in a stucco company. And um, it's hard, hard work. But it was the most money I'd ever made in my life, and I was eager to try this out. So I went much before my parents went. My parents didn't, my, I, I came earlier, I lived with my sister, and at first I was couch surfing, and then they had a little trailer out back, and I stayed in the trailer. Well, as I said, I, um, I accepted Jesus as four, and I never rebelled. I always held Jesus, and I always held God very close to me. He was always near and dear to my heart. And um, at the age of 17, I was in a trailer, and I was having my devotions one night. And I was reading through the Bible, and I'd like you to open up, please, to Isaiah chapter 6. In your Bibles, open up to Isaiah chapter 6. It's a very common one, but it wasn't that common to me. I was reading through the Bible, and Isaiah is kind of one of those books where it's a lot of doom and gloom. A lot of... And I was trying to find something for me in there, and I read this. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I heard the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robes filled the temple. Above him were the seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has been taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here, I, here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. I read that that night, and it hit my heart deeply. And I thought God was calling me to be a full-time pastor. And I'm going, it's a struggle to some extent. But I also learned to love God and try to follow his ways. And I said, okay, that's what you want. That's what I'm going to do. And I announced it. Uh, But that's what I was going to do as I was going to become a pastor. I was very sure of my calling. And I was headed in that direction. I graduated from high school, worked for a year, and then I went off to Trinity Western University. At that time, it was Trinity Western College. Um, I was going to go and get my degree and go into the pastorate. Four years later, I had a degree in religious studies, and um, um, that's where I was headed. Church has always played a huge role in my life. Um, We were, I've always been involved in church from a very young age, being a pastor's kid, Uh, Sometimes that's not always easy, as you can probably attest from your kids. um, It's not easy being a pastor's kid. There's all kinds of pressures put on you as a pastor's kid. But I never rebelled. I never walked away from him. I was was always involved in, in church. After graduation from Trinity, I married the love of my life, Karen. We lived in Langley. And we got involved with a local youth group in one of the churches. Kind of started it, taught Sunday school. We led the whole youth group, ran the whole show. We had lots of non-Christian kids come, which was really cool. Uh, They wouldn't necessarily come to church, but they come to youth. And we were able to speak into their lives. About that time, I was trying to get into church work, pastoral. And I had had an interview with a denomination we were involved with. But if any of you know me, I'm anything but traditional. Even you can see, I'm kind of dressed like where I'm going, right? And that's that's the way I am. I'm outside the box. And that wasn't necessarily that the denomination didn't have a position for a guy like me. And I kind of put this pastoral thing, not on a shelf, but I'm just going, God... What are you doing? What's, what's happening? 
But you know what? I was still involved with the church. Um, and um, so, mid-80s. In the 80s, some of you guys can remember it, jobs were really hard to get. The baby boomers, my, the earlier age groups, they had all the jobs. Interest rates were sky high. Things were not, the, the economy wasn't going. Jobs were really hard to get. There was a guy that I knew in the church, or I met, um, who was starting to build houses. And he asked me if I wanted a job. Well, I didn't have anything at the time. And I said, yep, I sure do. So I started pounding nails, sometimes the wrong nail more than the right nail. Most of the time I had a black thumb coming home. And he kept saying, set the nail as hard as you want to hit your thumb. I didn't always learn that lesson because I hit my thumb frequently. Um, during that time, uh, we, would, we would talk, the two of us, we would talk a lot. Um, and we would talk about God, church, ministry, all kinds of things, theological things. He was involved in a new movement, a new movement in Canada called the Vineyard. Maybe some of you have heard about it, maybe some of you haven't. But it was somewhat controversial. Um, it was very charismatic. And let me tell you, though my personality might be charismatic spiritually or religious or Christian-wise, I didn't follow that bent. I'd been involved or gone to a Pentecostal church, and it just wasn't me. It just didn't fit. It just somehow... And so I was really skeptical. But he encouraged me to try to go into a home group. And I said, oh, I guess I can check it out. And I went, and some of you might have heard the name Brian Dirksen. Uh, if you've been involved with music, you might know who Brian Dirksen is. Brian Dirksen wrote probably his most famous worship song is Refiner's Fire, uh, if you know that song. Well, he was 19 years old, and he was our worship leader at the first home group I attended. It was pretty incredible. So I went there, we went, I went to this home group, and I was incredibly skeptical. I'm going, eh. This is going to be, you know, I'm just, I, I just got, I got my walls up. I got my guard up and I'm, and, and, and that guard came down in about 20 seconds when, when Brian started leading worship. And it was like, my goodness, I started crying. The Holy Spirit came and I just felt like I'd never felt before. And I recognized that God is not just a stoic God, but he's a God of my emotions as well. He created me to be emotional. And Christianity is definitely a choice. It's definitely something that we need to stand firm. And we need to watch our emotions. But there's nothing wrong with having an emotional experience in your Christian faith. There's nothing wrong with feeling the Holy Spirit come upon you and minister to you. Karen and I, after that, I brought, came home and she wanted to know what it was all about. And I said, oh, you got to come to this one. And she started, we started going to, to home group. And then we were transitioning. We were still involved with our old church. And we were transitioning. And we said, we got to get involved with this. 
And the vineyard became a very powerful influence in our lives. Uh, we got heavily involved in it, both in, in leadership. We again started a youth group there, um, got involved with kids in a, in a youth program, um, which eventually got swallowed up into something called God Rock. And God Rock was a youth church on a, on a Friday night, and we'd have 300 plus kids show up on a Friday night. It would start at seven, eight o'clock at night, and oftentimes we wouldn't get out of there till one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. Like it was, when we call it God Rock, it rocked. Like it was super cool. The stuff that happened was amazing. As a matter of fact, it was so, so one of those things, it was, it, it was where the drug dealers started hanging out outside where we were having this thing because that's where all the kids were. I was one of the bouncers and basically at the door and I'm watching to see these drug dealers standing there like this and going, what are you here for? If you're here to hear from God, you're welcome. Anything else, hit the door, Jack. And uh, it was really, it was a really cool time. We didn't realize it at the time. Of course, when you're in those moments, you just think, this is going to go on forever. But it didn't. So at this time, all this time, I was thinking, by the way, I, at, the, at the time, I worked at odd jobs. I didn't have, I worked at Save On Foods. I had some other kinds of jobs. And I was just kind of, kind of not, not floundering, but kind of not knowing where I was going. Um, and, and, and this niggling in the back of my mind about the pastoral thing, right? God, what, what was this calling when I was 17, right? I was called to be a pastor. And I went, it was kind of a turning point. And um, so I was questioning, do I become a pastor? Do I pursue this somehow? Or do I go and pursue, there was an opportunity for me to become a teacher and a shop teacher, something that I, through experiment, volunteering, I found out that I really thought this would be a great career. And so I went to my pastor at the time for advice. And he said something really profound to me. He said, he said you should run from full-time ministry. And God has a way of drawing you back. And you can't run if that's his will. You can't run. And I'm going, okay. So I took that advice. And I went on for further schooling. And I become shop teacher. All along thinking that God was maybe going to fulfill my, that calling in my life. Uh, I've been a shop teacher for, and a teacher for over 30 years, uh, a whole bunch of time here at the high school here. Uh, some of you recognize me because you saw me in the schools, in the hallway. Some of you were in my classes. Um, I, after that, I went to substitute teach, substitute taught, sorry. Uh, one of the things I never, or very, very rarely did, only half a semester, worst semester of my life, was taught English. <laughs> really bad, I taught English eight for, for half a semester and thankfully the shop opened up again and I was able to get out of there. English is not my strong point. <laughs> All right, so retired from full-time teaching in 2015. 
Went and substitute taught after that, um, doing some other things. Uh, fast forward to 2021. Uh, we decided, my wife and I decided that we were going to, um, uh, well, I, I, like, I like warm weather. I mean, right now in Tulum, by the way, it's about 32, 31, and it's about, stays right about that temperature. That's kind of why I'm dressed the way it is. This is the way I dress all the time in, in Tulum. I only wear socks when I go running, um, is when I wear socks. Other than that, it's always flip-flops all the time. So I wanted to spend some time and... In, in, in a warm climate. And my sister had bought a house down in, in, in Mexico in a place called Tulum, Mexico, which is about an hour, if you don't know where that is, it's about an hour south of Cancun uh, on the Caribbean Ocean, beautiful uh, temperate climate, warm all the time, beautiful turquoise water, uh, palm trees, all that stuff. You know, just typical tropical place. And I thought, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to go there. So we decided we were gonna buy a place down there as well. We bought a place with the primary interest of spending some time down there, probably you know a month, maybe six weeks, a year. Uh, my big thing in, I don't mind the cold, I don't mind the winter, I don't mind the snow. What I don't like is the mushy smelting at the end. That's the part I don't like. So we were gonna go to Mexico during that time, kind of March, April-ish, and spend a month to six weeks so we could come back and all the snow and all the mush and everything else would be gone. That was the plan. So we went down in October, last October, for five weeks. We bought this place. It was a brand new place. So we bought it to set it up. We were going to set it up for Airbnb so that we could uh, have Airbnb when we were there. And then when we came there, we'd kick everybody out or have nobody stay there. And we could have our place to ourselves. And let me tell you, we, had, we were there five weeks. And in those five weeks, we didn't really holiday. It was work. It was from zero to setting a place up completely. And we're not used to spending that kind of money, you know, going and, and buying. But we just have to buy everything, furniture, everything. So we did that. And uh, in five weeks, in five weeks, turned into seven months. We were there for seven months. During that time, well, when we first went there, right away we decided... And this is what we've done whenever we've gone traveling anywhere. Every Sunday, we've tried to find a place where we could go to church. And um, we could have gone to a Mexican church, but we decided, you know, it's far easier if we can... We don't speak Spanish very well. And so it's far better if we can find an English speaking. So we looked it up online. We found, we found Lighthouse Church in Tulum. We went there. And Lighthouse Church isn't like this place, let me tell you. It's, it was a place under, construct, under construction. All we had was four walls, not even four walls, three walls. Um, the back wall hadn't been built yet, all concrete. Uh, there was lights in there, no windows, no doors. And um, when the worship band comes on, by the way, worship team leaders, uh, their volume is on 11. There's like... 15 people in the auditorium and you can hear it four blocks away like it is just pounding out loud and and the worship leader I really appreciate you because you can sing on key when the worship leader can't sing on key and he's got the volume on le on 11 it becomes a little you know, distracting sometimes so we went to the lighthouse church now lighthouse church um, we, before we came there, 
the previous pastor had gotten COVID. And he got it really, really bad. Him and his wife got COVID. So they had to go back to, I think, North Carolina uh, is where they lived. And they had to go back for medical treatment. So it was kind of in a state of flux. We didn't really know this. We were just kind of going there, just attending. And there was these retired American, looked like retired American pastors, probably in their 70s or so, excuse me. And they would, they would speak on a Sunday morning. And they would do their sermon. And we had one guy that was there for about three weeks. And then there would be another guy coming. And eventually, we had... Um, we had a, a Mexican pastor who spoke English, but he spoke English that you couldn't understand or very difficult, very, very strenuous to understand. And he started speaking on, on Sunday mornings. But he never really took leadership. He was just speaking, right? So um, he has also very, how should I say, Mexican culture, Mexican I mean, he was Mexican, right? So even the, 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 the style of, I wouldn't say style of Christianity, but just how they, how they, how they work their churches is, is way different than the way we do here in North America. Uh, way different. Um, and so, and, and his accent was very strong. So some of the people, I mean, we went there and it was, it was, it was great. It was great to get, be together with other people. And then sometimes he would go into Chiapas. Chiapas is the mountainous area on the Pacific side. And he had, he was, he's an evangelist. Uh, that's his gifting. And so he had, um, I think, about five churches that he had started up in the Chiapas Mountains. And he would be going away for ministry trips up there probably once a month or so. And he'd be looking for somebody to speak on Sunday morning. So I went up to him one day and I said, you know, I've got some training and I've done some speaking in the past. I'd be delighted or I'd be willing to speak on Sunday mornings when you're, when you're not there. And it was like, oh, it was just, he was so thrilled because he didn't have to worry about somebody taking over this church. By the way, he was a, he was a pastor. Uh, this building that we meet in, or that Lighthouse meets in, is his actual building. He's an Assemblies of God pastor, and they meet on Sunday nights. So we met Sunday mornings, they met Sunday nights. And that was his pastorate. And he, would, he was taking over, he was preaching on, at Lighthouse on Sundays because there wasn't anybody to do it. So he would be going for these ministry trips, I would speak on those Sunday mornings. People in the congregation, I started hearing rumors, Karen got involved with a ladies Bible study um, that, that would happen during the week, and I started hearing rumors or things why doesn't Bruce take over the church? Why doesn't Bruce do that? And I'm going, and both Karen and I are going, ah, no way, no, no, this is, this, no. No, we're coming here for, for you know, maybe a month, six weeks out of the year. That's the plan, right? That's the plan. We're going back to Canada. We've got a beautiful place here. We're, this is the plan. So Karen and I would hear these little comments. Meanwhile, like I said, Karen was, was attending and then eventually leading the women's Bible study. Um, so then I want to just tell you some of the instances. Well, I'm going to back up a little bit and tell you a little bit about Tulum. Tulum is a beautiful place on the Caribbean Ocean, um, but it has some dark sides to it. And the dark sides to it, it is a very... 
strong spiritual place. And when I talk about spiritual, I don't talk about it in a Christian sense. It is a place where people come from all over the world to get enlightened spiritually. Um, yoga is heavy there, and it's not just the yoga exercise, it's the spiritualism in yoga. It's the um, heavily involved in that. There's a uh, heavy involvement with, with uh, the Mayan culture. Mayans is still very popular or very strong there. The Mayan culture and the whole thing going back to the Mayan roots. Shamanism is really big there. Um, that whole spiritual realm is very, very strong. Um, it, is, it is also the place to go if you're a celebrity. We have two areas in Tulum. We have the, 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 the beach zone or hotel zone, and you can go there. It's super expensive. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine. She went out to the hotel zone with a friend of hers, and they had a meal there. Now they had the full meal deal. There was two of them. They had drinks and hors d'oeuvres and everything, but the bill came out to 500 bucks American for a meal for two people for one night, so it can get super expensive. On the other hand, where we live is more in the town of Tulum. And the town of Tulum, we can get tacos, we can go to a taco stand, and you can buy uh, tacos, they're about this big, beautiful. Uh, pastor, they're called, they're, it's with a marinated pork, oh, beautiful, very good. Anyway, you can buy a, a taco for under a dollar, right? So you get the extremes on that. But the, the, the point that I want to talk about is the whole spiritualism about, about um, the, the whole thing. So part of the church, one day after church, we, as the people there said, hey, let's go out for lunch. So we went out for lunch and we went to this cafe and, and we started introducing ourselves. It was a big table and there was probably about, I don't know, about 10, 12, 15 something like that, sitting around this big table. And as we're talking, we're all kind of introducing ourselves, where we're from. And, and there was probably, I think, more females there, I can't remember, than males. Um, but we're talking along, and there's this one girl, she talks, well, I'm from Brazil, and, and uh, I'm here just uh, because of enlightenment, I wanted to find enlightenment, and I found the church and got involved in the church. And we go around the table a little further, and we come to a, a, a lady that's sitting across from her, and she goes, Yes, I am so and so, and I also I came to Tulum to get enlightened. We wanted to get involved in enlightenment and yoga. And by the way, I also came to marry this lady right across the the table from me and God called us and we've become Christians. There was another incident where Karen was talking in her Bible study. There was another young lady that came to the Bible study, um, an American young lady, and they stayed, she stayed afterwards to help clean up and she says, interesting, but I was a lesbian for five years. I don't know how long it was. I lived the lesbian lifestyle. I got what wasn't grew up in the church, and um, it was um, I wasn't drawn. I was drawn to, and I watched a video. Wasn't it a video, Karen? I think it was. I watched a video, a sermon, and the guy says, "You know, Jesus is coming back again," and she felt convicted, 
And the two, the, the girl she was living with says, they were watching this together, and she says, we have to do something about this. And this girl recommitted her life to Jesus again. Another example of God leading you there. So that kind of stuff is happening there. We were on the beach one day, and we met this, this, this girl. We were just sitting beside her on the beach, and we were started talking to her. Uh, I think she was from Europe, Czech Republic. Anyway, I think she was from, but she spoke English, and we were talking and just talking about stuff, and, and we went our ways, and then I think a couple of weeks later, we were back there again, and there she was, and we started talking again. And I went, in, and Karen was talking more about spiritual things. And she grew up Catholic, and I went out for a swim, and I came back, and while I was swimming, I felt God was saying, you need to pray for this young lady. And we went up to her, and I said, because she was, she was in, the, in, in a moving, she was moving along somewhere else. She had to get out of where she was. She was going to go to another place. And I said, before you go, can we pray for you? And she looks at us and goes, as long as you don't pray anything negative. She'd grown up in the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church, the church that she grew up with, was a lot of judgment, a lot of doom and gloom, and a lot of... And we prayed for her. She didn't become a Christian, but she was like... She felt very, how should I say? She says, this was amazing. This was really cool. Another cool experience that we had of her in our churches is one Sunday morning, there was an Oriental girl that uh, came to the church. And by the way, the, the church is drawing in expats and visitors. So that's, that's who we have basically target. And um, she, was a, she was an Oriental lady, and um, I heard this a little bit later, but uh, after church, um, one of the other ladies said, well, meet Juliet. And I met her and started talking to her and said, well, let's go for lunch. And we went for lunch. There was four of us. There was a, uh, another lady, Karen and I, and this Juliet. This other lady is a missionary or was a missionary in South Africa. And we started talking to her, found out that she was from New York, in New York. Um, she'd grown up as a Christian. Kind of. No, she hadn't grown up as a Christian. Sorry. Her grandmother was a Christian in China. And she knew all about Christianity. And um, she just felt somehow, she never went to church or anything, but she felt somehow drawn towards Christianity. And so she was in Tulum by herself. She's married um, to uh, an American Caucasian guy. And she came... Um, on a, looking for a church on Sunday morning. And this church is not really easy to find. It's on a side street. Uh, there's cars parked all over. There's a, it looks like a construction site, as I said earlier. There's, there's dirt in the front. There's cement mixers and all that kind of stuff. So it doesn't really look like a church. So she's kind of wandering around looking for Lighthouse Church. And this other lady, Liz or Beth, um, this missionary girl says, looks at her and goes, are you looking for something? She says, yeah, I'm looking for Lighthouse Church. She says, you found it? Come on in, come on in. And this, we found out later she was just about ready to leave. She comes in. We have lunch with her. And, um, and then we get to pray for her, lay hands on her and pray for her. And she was really uh, taken by that. So she was there for a week. At the end of the week, she invited us out for supper. And we went again, and we prayed for her again. And I said, I have, a, I have a prayer list that I pray pretty much every morning. 
And I said, I'm going to put you on my prayer list. She shared some of the things, struggles that she was going through. And I said, I'm going to put you on my prayer list. And she says, really? I said, yes, I'll pray for you every day. She goes, looks at me, goes, what? I said, yeah. So we come back to Canada. I'm just going to jump a few. I'm going to get back to this, but I'm going to jump a few, few um, months. We come back to Canada, and she gets in touch with Karen via Facebook Messenger. And they start talking, and she says, is Bruce still praying for me? And she goes, yes, he is. Every morning, you're on, her, you're, you're on his list. And that just spoke to her, and she says, you know what? I would like to set up a meeting, a Zoom meeting, between you guys, myself, and my husband, and see if we can talk. And so coming back here through a Tulum connection, we're ministering to somebody in New York City. And just the way God worked, it was just, it was just fantastic. We're like, we're just going, wow, this is amazing. Like, this is so cool. Anyway, back to, back to Tulum. So I was speaking one Sunday morning, and um, the, the, the pastor's son, who was the, one of the worship leaders, uh, his name is Caesar. By the way, the pastor that, that teaches, the, the Mexican pastor, his name is Angel. So, and his son's name is Caesar. Anyway, he asked me after I spoke on a Sunday morning, he says, why don't you take over the church? Why don't you become the pastor of the church? And I'm kind of going, well, nobody's really asked me. Nobody has officially asked me to do this. So, um, I think we'll just, you know, hold off on that for, for, I didn't really have an answer for him. So I think that Sunday I started asking some questions uh, to some of the long-term people that had been attending the church, just some structural questions. Like, do we have a, a board here? Like, is there somebody running this church? Like, who organizes stuff? How is the structure of the church? We'd been there for, I don't know, six months, five months. Um, and how does, how, does, how does the structure work? What's, what's happening? How does, how does everything work? Where do the tithes go? Where's the offering go? Where's, where's all this stuff? And they go, I don't know. I don't know. You need to talk to Larry. I go, who's Larry? Well, Larry lives in Texas. Who's Larry? Well, Larry's the guy that founded the church. Okay. But so I, I got his Facebook um, profile or message and on, on Sunday after church I um, Facebook messengered him and I said uh, hi Larry this is Bruce Penner he goes I know exactly who you are and I'm going oh yeah I watched you preach this morning <laughs> so they live stream it on Facebook down there as well so he had actually watched me preach um, and, and uh, so we, we, we talked a little bit and I started asking him all these different questions about the church organization. And he says, well, we've been kind of floundering a little bit. Since the whole COVID, the last pastor left, we haven't really had anything. That was all kind of in place, but it's all kind of floundered. So this, the, the church is, is kind of in, in flux. There's, there's really not anything going on, right? I mean, there is, but it's really not, there's no organizational thing going on. And, and he said to me, at that point, he said, would you be interested in doing that? And I'm going, 
Hmm. Well, first of all, um, I have to talk to my wife about this. And so um, I ended the phone call. I think Karen listened to the phone call. You listened in on that one? Yeah, I think you did. And we had a discussion. And for me inside, I'm thinking, well, I'm the adventurous type. I do all kinds of crazy things. I mountain bike and dirt bike and do all kinds of skydiving and all kinds of crazy things, motorcycle riding, all that stuff. Anyway, I, I like adventures. I like something new. My wife, on the other hand, is a little bit more standoff on those things. Um, and in my mind, I'm going, God, I'm willing to do this. I'll take this on. I'll, I'll, this, is, this is something I could see you doing. But God, my wife, I don't think she's ready to do this. I don't think this is something that she really... So, in order... But God, I am not going to force my way. You know, you put me together with my wife. And if I start pushing this and start forcing this, it's just going to go bad. It's going to go real bad. So God... You need to convince her more than me to do this. And I left it there. I said, God, I'm willing to do this, but you got to talk to Karen. So we had talked about it, and initially when this whole thing came up, she was going, uh-uh, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I want to do. This is not anything that I want to do. And I said, you know, we need to pray about this. We need to pray about this individually. We need to talk to God and bring it before him. And uh, so I said, let's pray about this. And I want you to, I want to pray and you pray and let's talk about this in a week's time. And we did. And she says, she says to me, she says, God's called us to come here. God's called us to come here. And she confirmed that it was his will. So, we're going. God called me at 17 to be a pastor. At 62, I'm going to become a pastor. Am I scared? Terrified. Absolutely terrified. Am I reluctant? Oh, you have no idea. You have no idea. We're relying on him. We just got to hang on to him. I know where we're going. We're going into the devil's doorstep. We're going into his play area. I know the spiritual battle started when we first arrived there. I won't tell you about the fight we had at Home Depot in Mexico, figuring out tile for the shower for all goodness things. And I'm just going, how is that a big issue? And yet, you could just tell Satan is just... I won't tell you about some of the other arguments that we've had. I know that Satan doesn't want us there. But I know also the best place to be you can be on Satan's doorstep, and the best place to be is there if that's where God has called you to be. There is no safer, no better place to be than there. 
So we look at what we're doing or what God is doing, and this isn't our ministry. As a matter of fact, this has nothing to do with me. Sometimes I feel like, like when Jesus was riding at this triumphal entry and he says, if people don't speak, the rocks will cry out. And I know that he can do that in Mexico too. But somehow he said, I want you to be there. I want you to be a part of this. And I'm just going, okay, we're going to do this. Is it going to be hard for us? In many ways it is. We live in paradise here. We love Canada. We love where we live. We love this congregation. We love the people here. We have community here. We've been here for 30 years. It's a long time. Starting over in a new country. Different language. Although I won't have to preach in a different language. But still, we're a minority there. You walk into stores, we're a minority. We're a visual minority. It's hard. We are... There is, there is a... A, 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 almost a, I wouldn't say a prejudice, but almost that way. From the Mexicans towards the North Americans going there. Oh, they're all rich. And when you look at what they have, we're filthy rich. So they have two prices. They have the Mexican price and they have the gringo price. And sometimes that's hard to, to, to justify. But then on the other hand, I look at how much they have, and I go, you know what? It's not that bad. I can pay the gringo tax for these people because it's going to them. So, where does that leave us now? Well, we need your prayers. Financially, we're fine. I'm not ever going to ask you for money because we're fine. God has provided us. Great. So you don't have to worry. I'm not going to ask you for any money. I'm not going to ask you for support. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm not going to try to make you feel guilty. But I want you to do is I want you to pray for us. Please, if you have a prayer list, put us on there. Because we're going on the devil's doorstep. It's going to be tough. Specifically, spiritual warfare. Because I know... It's going to be strong and powerful. Ask that the Holy Spirit would give Karen and I particularly a spirit of unity. A spirit of, of unity in how we live our life. On a practical note, we would love to have a North American style worship leader. So if you feel called, any of you that can play guitar and sing, We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. Satan doesn't want us, want us there. We're going into his stronghold. There are mighty spiritual forces there. All right. Now that you've heard my story, now I'm going to do a little preaching. Many, many messages that you've been around on Missions Week or Missions Time and are oftentimes are focused on the youth. You need to see what God is doing in your life. 
You need to see if God has called you into the ministry. You maybe need to go to another country and preach the gospel. And it's great. And the challenge to youth to seek God into their future is a good one. It's a really good one. I love the acronym YWAM. Can anybody tell me what YWAM stands for? Louder. Youth with a Mission. I love that organization. Although I've never really, I've never been to YWAM. We've been to their bases. We've heard from YWAM teams. YWAM is all over the world. They do a fantastic work. I love YWAM. One day, as I was thinking about that, God said, I want you to exchange the Y with an S. And I go, what? I want you to exchange the YWAM with an S. What do you think? What do you think SWAM or SIWAM stands for? Yes, absolutely. Seniors with a mission. Now, when you think about it, I want to bring an example from the Bible. One of my favorite characters in the Bible was Moses. Moses was a cool dude. And when you look at Moses' life, I'm going to give you in a real nutshell. Moses, his first 40 years, what was he doing? By the way, this is my teacher coming out in me. I have to ask questions and, and actually expect responses. This is great. What did Moses do for the first 40 years of his life? What's that? He was king. He hung out of the palace. He was a prince or a king. He hung out of the palace. He was having good times, right? He was out there just chilling out in, in, in Egypt. He was part of, the, part of the elite. He was having a good life. What happened for the next 40 years? Hey, Allowed or somebody say it. He was hanging out in the desert, right? He was kind of, now he wasn't chilling the good life. He was hanging out with goats and sheep, right? He was doing kind of that stuff. How old was Moses when God called him into ministry, if you want to call it that? 80 years old. 80 years old. What do we do when we're 80 here? This is where I'm bringing you up to retirement. Guess what, folks? The Bible, there ain't no retirement. With God, there's no retirement. There's no sitting back and going, well, I've done my stint. Now I'm just going to chill and relax and see what else other people are doing. That doesn't happen. God has called everyone. So I have a challenge for you today, church. Youth, wherever you are, you need to find out where God wants you. Where does he want you to lead your life? How can you be involved in his kingdom? Even if you're a mechanic. There we go. You're a mechanic. Right? Great. Great job. Where does God want you? How does he want to use you? Where can you be used in his ministry? Middle-agers. Yeah. Married couples with kids. How can you be involved in God's kingdom? Where can you step in? Just because you got kids and you got a busy life doesn't mean you can't be involved. Seniors. Empty nesters. You need to be involved in kingdom ministries too. Where are you plugged in? This one's specifically for the seniors. You have the time. Kids are gone. You have skills. You've worked your life in, in stuff 
for a long time. You've got all kinds of skills. You have the financial resources. You don't have to beg for money anymore. You don't have to ask for support because lots of times you've already got that. You've got an income. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about Mexico. Or sorry, does it talk about retirement? There's a song we learned in Mexico. Or heard, heard, and I love this. If you're not dead, God's not finished with you yet. I like it, and it's in a song. And I'm going, hmm. So my challenge today particularly is for those of 55 and over. Where does God want you to serve? Don't be a Jonah. Go to Nineveh, not Tarshish. I want to leave you all with this. Matthew 28. Look it up, please. Matthew 28. Sorry, i got to look it up on my here, on my tablet. And you've all heard this. Starting at verse 18. These are the last words Jesus spoke when he was on, on earth. Verse 18. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, this is not, who's he talking to, by the way? His disciples. But in light of that, he's talking to every one of us. If we're one of his disciples, he's talking to us. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, this is the one I like, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Remember, church, if you're not dead, God's not finished with you yet. Thank you. Karen, why don't you come on, come on up and uh, friends, uh, elders, uh, Ben, anyone that wants to come up, let's just surround them and let's, uh, let's pray, for, pray for Bruce and Karen. Lord, we thank you so much that when you call us to yourself, uh, you call us for your purposes. And that before uh, any one of our days came to be, they were written in your book, in your word. Lord, thank you that we are created to reflect your glory. And that it's not anything we do, but it is your call on our lives. You have worked in us. We are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the good works you have prepared in advance for us to do. And Lord, we can only see the next step 
and sometimes we don't see the next mm -hmm. step. Mm -hmm. Lord, that call when Bruce was 17 come to fruition throughout all his life has prepared for this next step, this mm -hmm. next journey. Mm -hmm. And so, Lord, we thank you for how you have worked in Bruce and Karen's life. We thank you for the time that they have been among us, ministering in different ways through church, through teaching at the school, through just being part of our community, you have used them in many ways. And now, Lord, as they prepare for this next adventure, this journey in Mexico, we ask, Lord, that you would go with them, that the power of your Holy Spirit would animate their steps, that they would serve in the power that you provide. Mm -hmm. Lord, we thank you so much for what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And so, Lord, as they, as they go, we rejoice and we celebrate your call on their lives. And we send them with our love and with our prayers. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this morning. Thank you for this community. Thank you for calling us to be your servants wherever we are and wherever you send us. And so now we go in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.